Discovering Ukrainian Culture. This is a new series of episodes within our podcast Explaining Ukraine. We're making this first episode about Grigory Skovorda, the founding father of the Ukrainian philosophy, whose 300th anniversary Ukraine celebrated on December the 3rd. Explaining Ukraine is a podcast by Ukraine World, a website in English about Ukraine. My name is Volodymyr Yermolenko. I am Ukrainian philosopher and journalist, chief editor of Ukraine World. My co-host is Tetyana Harkova, Ukrainian scholar and journalist who is heading international department at Ukraine Crisis Media Center. Ukraine World is brought to you by Internews Ukraine, one of the largest Ukrainian media NGOs. Before we start, let me remind you that you can support us on patreon.com slash ukraineworld. We devote majority of your donations to help Ukrainian defenders and people affected by this war. Patreon.com slash ukraineworld. Okay, so let's talk about Grigori Skovroda. So our topic today is Grigory Skvorda, really, as you said, the founding father of Ukrainian philosophy. And yes, indeed, uh, this is an important date for Ukraine today. And let's recall that a couple of months ago, we've been to his museum close to Kharkiv, and the Kharkiv region is Skvordinivka, and we are able to see the ruins of this house, of this museum, and we recorded a podcast about that, so you can we, we are referring to this podcast. So, and for us, it was a, a um, important fact that Russian troops were trying to destroy uh, our philosophical heritage, as as they are doing with Ukrainian universities and with Ukrainian schools and with Ukrainian cultures. Kavarda is something really important for Ukrainian philosophy, for Ukrainian tradition. And question to you, Volodymyr, you are a philosopher. Uh, how can we uh, to they locate Skovroda in our Ukrainian tradition? Well, uh, Skovroda is 18th century philosopher, right? So we are actually talking about the, the period uh, where in Europe, in France, in Germany, we had enlightenment. But um, as there, there is a certain diachrony um, in the European culture, we see the 18th century primarily through the lens of enlightenment of such persons, such philosophers as uh, Diderot, Voltaire, uh, D'Alembert, uh, Rousseau. At the end of the 18th century, of course, we, we had Immanuel Kant. But uh, we also have to uh, understand that there is certain diachrony and we can, we can look at the music, for example. The greatest Baroque musician, composer is uh, Johann Sebastian Bach, who is rather belonging to the 18th century. So Baroque is rather an epoch of the 17th century, but in many aspects we see its culture going uh, farther to the 18th century. And here's Skovoroda. Uh, we can locate him rather in this Baroque tradition, in the Baroque tradition of the of the erudition, um, of thinking, of reflection. Yes, indeed. When I, you are talking about diachrony, do you mean that Skorda is a later philosopher or you, you'd rather mean that he's earlier? Because 
the comparison a lot of experts make uh, regarding Skvarda, they compare him to Rousseau in this uh, love to nature. He is a wandering philosopher. He was traveling a lot. He was walking a lot while thinking. So there are some uh, some affinities between him and Rousseau. Rousseau very fond of nature, very fond of uh, human uh, human soul, human feelings, uh, uh, sentimental philosopher in a way. Could we say uh, the same thing about uh, Skovarda? Partly yes and partly no, because uh, what is interesting about, uh, of course, their phil- they, they style of philosophizing of Jean-Jacques Rousseau and Harry Skovarda are very different, because I would say that, well, Jean-Jacques Rousseau uh, is something that might be called an ego-philosophy, ego-philosophy, not because he was egoist, quite quite the contrary, but because he was so much focused on his personal life. Yeah, in Confessions, uh, right. In Confessions, Le Confession of, of Rousseau is, of course, this, uh, this uh, expression of this uh, philosophizing through personal experience. We will not find this in Skovradav, uh, except probably for his letters, in which we can see his biographical side. And he le- his letters, by the way, are mostly uh, written in Latin. Uh, so this is also locates his philosophy in a, in a, in a bigger European tradition. Uh, but uh, Skovarda's text are, are much more difficult to read today than the text of Jean-Jacques Rousseau, because uh, obviously... Uh, we are accustomed to this personalized style of thinking of, of Jean-Jacques Rousseau. With Skvarda, it's rather this, uh, in many aspects, is just exegesis, right? So the interpretation, hermeneutics of the ancient texts, uh, primarily the Bible, of course, but also of the texts of Roman Stoics, for example, or, or something else. So in a way, can we say that Skavardar heritage, Skavardar type of approach to, to, um, to European tradition is, uh, more, is less modern in a way than Rousseau? Because when we read about Rousseau, many philosophers say that, look, here with Rousseau you have a, uh, the, the birth of the modern subject, the birth of the modern man, modern approach. Could we say in a way that Skavardar is something more ancient in a way in this approach because he is still in this tradition of exegesis as you said interpreting Bible and ancient texts and continuing this ancient line of philosophy well I am um, actually very against this concept of modern or non-modern or pre-modern or post-modern I think, modern, I think we are we, we really went beyond this and uh, Today's war is also an example that, well, what is modernity? Can we really talk about some some really big moral progress? Or can we really talk, can we really find the difference between today's tyranny and the ancient tyranny? I don't know. Can we really find a much, much substantial structural difference between uh, Ukrainians fighting against Russians and ancient Greeks fighting against Persians? So I... Uh, my vision of history, and I think uh, many Ukrainians are in this kind of a cyclical uh, vision of history, that we rather should look deeper in the past and 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 see certain certain examples, as like a, like ancient peoples, ancient Greeks, even in the Renaissance, people were looking at history under the slogan uh, "Historia magistra vitae." The history is. 
a, a teacher of life. So when you see at history rather as a some some points of repetition than a certain certain progress. So looking back to Skovoroda, uh, Skovoroda is very interesting for the 18th century, and and we will come back to his modernity, to his actuality, why he's important for contemporary times, because. Yeah, you can call it uh, much, much less modern than Jean-Jacques Rousseau, but in a way, uh, his, what he's saying is so much important for our times, for 21st century, and not so much for Ukraine, but for, for the whole world. I think we will talk about this. But uh, for the 18th century, what Skovorda was doing, he was trying to combine two different worlds. This was the world of, of the Bible, of the religious Christian thinking, and this was the, the world of the ancient ethics, primarily the Greek and and uh, Roman ethics, primarily the Stoics, but also the Epicureans, because he was he was very fond of Epicurus. Why it is important? Because in the 18th century we see the clash between these two visions of the world. I think during the Renaissance. In Europe, in Italy primarily, but not only, we see a, an attempt to combine Christianity with ancient Greek, ancient Roman, let's say, paganism. So we, we see it in, in, in the visual arts, we see it in, in, uh, in literature, in philosophy, etc. I think in the Baroque, the Baroque in the 17th century was a kind of a moment when there was a little bit skepticism of this Catholic Counter-Reformation, but also the Protestant thinking with regard to ancient Greece. So the Protestants were rather saying that, look, these are pagans, we need to come back to early Christianity. The uh, Catholic Counter-Reformation was saying that, look, we should uh, uh, we should kind of uh, go beyond these ancient forms and look for something different, uh, look for something they called grace instead of, you know, uh, Renaissance geometry. Skovroda was, interestingly enough, he was a Baroque philosopher, rather in these Baroque types of thinking, of symbolic types of thinking, you know, very, very much sophisticated, erudited. But he, uh, there, is, uh, there is many things in him which would rather bring him close to the Renaissance. He would not find too much clash between, let's say, Seneca and Christ, between even Epicurus and Christ. And in this respect, he is close also to Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who was trying to do the same, actually. And Jean-Jacques Rousseau was enemy of both big camps during the 18th century. One of the camps were the encyclopedists, these, you know, atheists who were against religion like Voltaire, etc. And the other camp was the, the Catholics. But he was between the two and, the, and therefore he was the enemy of the two. Skovorda was also would, would be in this camp some, somebody who would combine, I don't know, Plato and Christ. Yes, exactly. And it's interestingly enough to highlight this, his, his unique position in his, his philosophical tradition. He is neither in one camp nor in the other camp. So this is also about the, about the individuality. And in this case, we can talk about Skorda, like, uh, as we talk about Rousseau, like about the birth of this modern, modern uh, person. You, 
you mentioned that you don't really believe in a kind of progress in philosophy, and I would rather agree with you, but at the same time, what Skovarda is talking about and what Rousseau was talking about is also about the, the, the value of the human personality. And this is maybe a key issue, and this is a key achievement of that time that we cherish even now. And this is what, what, we, what is really important, the key, uh, key fundamental of our civilization. And in this way, Skovarda is extremely but we all remember this uh, famous quote from Skovarda that the world was trying to capture me, but it didn't succeed. Yeah, so, so this his unique position, he's not with, with one camp of philosophers, nor with others. Maybe this is a key to him, this his unique, unique way of thinking he had. Yeah, it's very interesting what he understood by this world, uh, by the word world. He was writing on a language, on a, on a book language of the time of, of the Russian Empire, which we could, could call a kind of a Slavonic, uh, but which was rather close to contemporary Russian than to contemporary Ukrainian. That's although precisely why Russians claim, he will talk about that later, that Russians trying to claim him being a Russian philosopher. Yes, but uh, as I told you, some of his texts were written in Latin and his personal correspondence with his... Uh, biggest friend and maybe lover uh, was also in Latin. Uh, so, in in this in this respect, I mean, the language is is, is very is, is in very different reality than we, we have now. So, the word "mir" that he uses, and there are some interpretations that he means by that uh, kind of uh, evil people. So people who would think about their own interests, people who would be egoistic, people who would be, you know, in power relations, loving power relations, uh, violence or whatever. And in this aspect, yes, he's also very, you know, close to Jean-Jacques Rousseau again. But this idea, I would call it the idea of personalized nature. One of the very important ideas of, of Skovarda. This is expressed in his concept srodnist. Srodnist means, uh, well, we can see in this world, which can be a srodnost in Russian, srodnist in Ukrainian, the idea of rod, of read, rod and read. Uh, this is, uh, well, the, this is how to say it. This is uh, something family. that right. family, but the bigger family, this is something Ancestors, that. Right. This is something that gives birth. Rozdatysia, roditysia, this is being born. So, rod is something that, uh, out which you are born. And if we look back in the, in the, in the roots of the Latin word nature, this is the same, actually, uh, this is the same roots. Or the Greek word physis for nature. This is all like, Speaking about nature, considering nature not as a geometric, mathematical uh, something that is, of course, very was very important for the modernity, European modernity, but something organic, something that gives birth to something as a living being. Nature is a living being, and uh, when Skorda is, is talking about this srodnist, that means that every person needs to find something to which he or she was born to. If you were born to being a philosopher, you should be a philosopher and not a truck driver. If you were born to be a truck driver, this is also a very important profession. Um, 
So you would rather to be a truck driver, not a, not a, not go to university and study philosophy. Maybe you were born to be at the same time a truck driver and a philosopher. I was when I was young. I was dreaming to become a truck driver as well. But you never became. So well now now we're doing lots of trips in Ukraine with volunteer trips um, with you. Uh, driving not a truck but a minivan. So, in some aspects, it it collided. So you- let's discuss it. So, so this uh, concept of srodna pratya. So in this in this uh, context that he's men- he was mentioning srodnist most of times, right? If I'm not mistaken, srodna pratya it means work. So it means that uh, people were born to have their their way, their own way, and their own activity, their own occupation. So in a way, let's if we compare that to what we were seeing in the 20th century. Right, so about these constructionists, so so that people were are born, and it is society and all the structures and politics which make them different. So this is not about this organic and fundamental in a way it's fundamentalistic way of thinking because you see that some people were born to do something. It means that there are some conditions. I don't know biological or. Or whatever biological, social, and maybe spiritual, which makes you what you are, and this way of thinking, in my understanding, is quite opposite to what we observed in the 20th century, where uh, people and philosophers were trying to explain that all people are, in fact, they are they are equal in a way. So, but this is conditions. I mean, living conditions and social demographic conditions and cultural conditions, which make us different. This is about culture. So, culture is making of you what you are. But not, but not the fact that you are you were born in a way, not 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 like, a, and in a way. So, I would imagine that there will be a lot of uh, people that would argue with that will that will uh, have a debate with Kavarda be be him alive today, right? Absolutely, but I think that things are more complicated than just put these fundamentalist, I would not call it fundamentalist. I would call it organic approach and constructivist approach. I think. There is, uh, if if we take these both approaches as they are, they are very very naive, both of them. So we can we can say that in the twentieth century, the key opponents to Skvorda would be Jean Paul Sartre and uh, existentialism, who would be saying that there is no intrinsic, uh, predefined, predetermined nature in us. This nature, uh, the basis of us, is that it is just our freedom. And we are free to choose whatever we want, whatever the path we will take. Skovoroda would say to this that, of course, and this is the biggest, the the big drama and and the big interest in us, what we choose, because we are lo- we we are surrounded by the wrong choices. We choose the wrong thing. We we for example we see a, a person whom we admire uh, a a fantastic poet or a good manager or a good teacher, and we try to imitate him or her. But suddenly in life we understand that we cannot imitate them because we are just created uh, for, for the different thing. So our possibilities inside are a little bit different. So in this sense, I would say that Sartre and existentialism are naive to think that, well, at the basis there is an absolute freedom in us what what sartre called le néant the nothingness and we are you know free as gods of course sartre 
didn't mean exactly that. He understood that much complicated. it's much complicated and, and we are rather choosing between those opportunities that we have to choose. But, but I would I like think to see a debate, imagine just a, a debate between Sartre and Skovoroda if they live the same century. That, that's precisely that's precisely a thing that we we need to do in the 21st century. And for example, we Ukrainian philosophers are trying to do. I would I would say that what Skoroda is telling us that there should be a kind of an injection of essentialism into existentialism and vice versa. What I mean by that is actually the old truth of ancient times, which comes back to uh, uh, ancient Greek poets like Pindar. As far as as far as I remember, the saying was, "Become who, who you are. You should yeah. become who you are." So there is a paradox in this: you should become who you already are. So there is something inside you that uh, that basically your life would be rather be kind of unraveling uh, this this big potential inside you. So I think this is this is the most this is the most important. So of course we are not doomed, we are not predetermined to certain future because we kind of are created with our choices. And Skvordal writes a lot about good and bad choices, and in this way, you know, he can so be in also. In a way, so in a way, to sum it up, that yes, indeed. So in Skvordal, we find the the. the they thought that in a way, in a way, we have to become ourselves, and you can be mistaken many times, right? You can make bad choices, which are not approaching you to what you are, but they are making this long difficult for you. But the the goal, your goal, is to find your way, and in a way, I would say that this uh, this idea is also very modern in the contemporary world. So people, what are what people are discussing for last decades, people, I mean, in civilized societies, they are discussing how. How to to find your place in this society? How to live in harmony with what you are, what you feel? So this is a kind of advocacy of this uh, personal way of living and personal uh, opinions and personal inner harmony between between what you what you do and what you feel and what you think. So we tend to ask, for example, our kids much more than, for example, the generation of our parents. That we ask our kids, how do you feel about that or that? So so this moment of auto reflection. And understanding that this way, this extremely is precisely precisely your way. This is important for for modern societies. In in that aspect, uh, we would argue that Skorda is actual now, right? Absolutely, I, I think that uh, this is. I mean, the, the society of the twenty first century is obviously a society in Ukraine, in 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 Germany, in in France, in the United States. I, I don't think there are big differences. Uh, these are societies which are trying to go uh, away from this kind of a mechanical vision of the industrial society where you go to the factory and you're just a function. Uh, nobody wants to be a function anymore. So people try to you know, think about their lives in terms of uh, self-realization, right? And, and, and the concept of uh, self-realization, self-expression, uh, becomes one of the key concepts of the of the modern time of the modern uh, sociology of the modern psychology and look recently i was i was for example listening to a very popular contemporary intellectual uh, who is called um, uh, peterson jordan jordan peterson and he was ref- referring to 
another very important trend in 20th, 20th century uh, psychology, which is humanistic psychology by Abraham Maslow. So every, everybody knows Abraham Maslow, I think, through the, through the idea of pyramid, of values. I don't think that people understand it correctly when when they when they're quoting it on on the business seminars. Uh, it's uh, and but this is another topic. I was reading Maslow, and uh, he was trying. He was, uh, you know, this was a kind of a psychology post World War II psychology, which was trying to not to uh, dig the 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 worst in the human being as a psychoanalysis of, of Freud and others were doing, like all these dark things of our unconscious, etc. He was rather. Trying to dig into the most positive things in our psychology, and and rather to help people find a positive agenda in their lives, and uh, he was he was saying very very simple thing that look through my conversations with people when people come to me and talk to me, uh, and uh, I, I try to understand whether they're happy or not happy. So there is a very clear relation between your attitude to your work, what you want to have from your work and if a lawyer comes to me and says I, I became a lawyer because I wanted to earn money and I had I wanted to have a prestige in, in the society he would he or she would not not be happy most probably he would she would find some problems in the lives um, but he, if he or she tells us look I, I decided to become a lawyer because I just I, I just love justice. This is this is the key value of my life. And from the very, you know, early childhood, I was really a, a kid who was fighting for justice, and therefore I became lawyer. The chances that this person will be happy are much bigger. So if we if we come back to Skovoroda, actually he 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 tells you the same thing. This is this is behind this idea of srodna pratya. So if if you from the early stages of your childhood. I don't know you 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 like running you like running with the ball you're you're the most happy person when you when you're running with the ball so maybe you will become a good football player or when you're like our elder kid Darina who is now you know painting all the time all the time during all the free time that she has she's painting 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 so this is something that you discover in your kid very early in life and uh, you understand that probably this is her srodna pratya. Pratya doesn't mean work or job. Pratya means mission, your yeah. destination. And your mission in, in a your way. Mission, so this is yes. what and this concept of happiness you mentioned that regarding to Maslow, so he was talking about people who are happy or not about what they were doing in their life. I think that this concept of happiness is very important because Skavarda wrote about the way to harmony, but we could translate it as a way to happiness now because why people are happy with what they're doing or they are unhappy, so they are frustrated. This is also about the ways to avoid frustration in the modern world, which are uh, numerous things which are frustrated about. So this is about how to live uh, in harmony with yourself and developing and considering what you are doing not like a burden, not like a duty, not only like a duty, because this is idealistic to think that what we do is only because we it's a pleasure to do that, that we are far from that. But in a way, uh, what you choose, that 
it should also bring you some some satisfaction and some pleasure and some happiness right not only the way that you are thinking in a way that we i'm earning money or i'm making my family live correctly with the budget we have so this is not thing which motivate people right so in a way so what was kavala developed in this concept of um, Srodnapraca is something which is very important and uh, uh, for for our societies. Another, l- l- let's let's yeah uh, develop on that. Therefore, the the image of Epicurus was so important for him, and he uh, is he having a phrase, Epicurus Christ. So making these two figures together as, as the same person, Epicurus Christ. Of course, we can say that. This is an attempt, was an attempt probably to a little bit of hedonizing Christianity. But uh, Epicurus was not, as he is perceived uh, in, in the mass culture, he was not a person uh, would, would say, okay, let's drink wine, let's let's smoke cigarettes, let's have women, etc. No, it, it was another type of philosophy. It was not that radical hedonism. It was, I would call Epicureans a kind of a hedonism with the few, with the very little things, how to have pleasure with little things, how to find pleasure, not not how to create pleasure uh, from consumerism or whatever, how to you know go infinitely enjoying and and seeking for pleasure um, elsewhere, how to find pleasure in those little things that we are surrounded already, those things even that probably are bringing us. Uh, boredom or even suffering, how to find pleasure in them. So uh, I do think this is kind of a very interesting synthesis between ascetism and hedonism, which Skovrada has, thanks to Epicurus, right? And, um, and let's recall his life. He was never very rich, right? He he lived at his friends most of times. And even in Skovrdinivka, uh, we visited a couple of months ago, there was also a place... He, which he never owned. So it was not his own house. It was a house which lived at his friends. And his, his idea of ascetic idea of, uh, of a philosopher uh, who owns uh, nothing, in fact, was very uh, um, important for him, right? Yeah. You mentioned at the early beginning that he was a wandering philosopher. And this is another parallel to Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And by, and by the way, Rousseau's attitude to education that you mentioned, right? That you should not, you should not impose on a child something, but you, you should rather seek those seeds which are in a kid, his, his or her possibilities, capacities, and develop them. Of course, th- these are these are trends which are now in, in education in 21st century and everywhere. Skorada is one of them. Uh, Skorada was also talking about this. But the wandering philosopher, this changing places, this uh, he owned a few things, maybe quite a good things. He owned, for example, a flute. He owned a, a good a good clock, uh, whatever else. But he was really kind of this... in. This ascetic hedonistic dualism, which is a very, very interesting. Own as as little as you can, but enjoy the owners, the, the owning of these things. Let's also discuss this issue between um, Skorda being uh, being in the middle between Ukrainian philosophy, because Ukrainian philosophy, philosophical tradition considers him as being Ukrainian. But unfortunately, what we've seen for many decades and even centuries, that Russians were claiming that Skorda was a Russian philosopher. 
And uh, at the same time, what we see in Russian philosophy, in, in their philosophical tradition, that there is a opposition between what Skavarda did and what how 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 he saw himself and how he behaved, and with the mainstream, if we can say so, regarding, regarding philosophy, mainstream of the Russian philosophy. What the key difference between the way of, uh, Skavarda uh, was thinking and this Russian philosophical tradition? Well, I would say that this is precisely this uh, concept of of personalized nature. And uh, let me come back a little bit. Um, the one of the major metaphors of Skoroda is this metaphor of divine fountain, and uh, we 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 have it even on our on our banknotes on our money in Ukraine. So uh, and the slogan, so the idea of this fountain is that God is a big uh, fountain. And we are kind of a cups which are receiving his grace. Uh, and we have different size. Each of us is a cup of different size. And the question is not how much of this grace or how much of water you have, but the question is whether you are full or not. So you, you can be a little cup, but be full. And you can be a big cup, but be you know semi-empty, and maybe quantity of water you will have more quantity of water, but you will be unhappy because you will not be have this fullness. And the slogan uh, around this fountain is that uh, unequal equality to to everyone. So it's it's very very interesting thing if we're thinking about equality today that basically. It's it's much more complicated than just a slogan equality. So of course equality of conditions should be etc. But we also should be taking into account this difference between people. And actually, it's all about unequal equality, meaning that uh, the key thing is is not to compare according to certain standards, uh, but to have this fullness. And the idea of fullness is of course the the key idea of Skorda. So uh, the world is really. I would say this Baroque world, the Leibnizian world of of, of infinite number of monads, uh, each each of each is a kind of a, this cup which receives the the divine the divine grace. So each every everybody of us has this personalized nature. I think Russian philosophy went into very different things, def, different direction, starting from Vladimir Solovyov in late 19th century and going through such figures as Vladimir Ern who wrote about Skovoroda by the way and even in Dostoevsky you can say it um, up to I don't know up to contemporary 20th century philosophy of uh, Solzhenitsyn and everything. I think they were all trapped through this idea of what Solovyov was calling meaning this all unity or pan-unity. Um, you can see it in Dostoevsky very much. I think Dostoevsky, I, um, like we remember these Bakhtin's words about Dostoevsky, that Dostoevsky is writing polyphonic novels. I don't think that he's writing polyphonic novels. I, I think that he's writing novels in which he portrays characters who are kind of uh, making the moral judgment of over everybody and uh, and 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 having these very extreme moral positions which are not attainable to an ordinary person and uh, 
presenting these moral positions in a kind of a reproach to everybody else. I to think a reader, Skor- you mean? To, do you mean to it's, it's a reproach to a reader that you that somebody who's reading novels he feels not so good? Yeah, you're not that saint as. Uh, as uh, Knyaz Mishkin, but Prince Mishkin. But they're not as bad as Raskolnikov at the same time, right? M- well, maybe, but you, you, you don't have this, you know, um, ideas as Raskolnikov or as Karamazov or whatever. So I, I do think here there is a certain, this global pretension, this uh, megalomanic idea that we, we really found the truth which is applicable for everybody. I think Skovarda is totally different, that he clearly saying that everybody needs to re- really uh, look deep inside yourself and find your unique way. If you're good in making flutes, you should make flutes. So if you're, if you're good in, in, I don't know, repairing cars, you should be repairing cars. And uh, you should be the best in what you're doing. Very little thing. Uh, maybe maybe bigger thing or something. If you look at what uh, the contemporary education is, I'm sure that we'll find a lot of uh, ideas we are circulating in 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 this education about the standards, exactly about what what Skvorda was talking about. Because now we are trying to to uh, to select kids and to teach kids in a way just to uh, in a way that it's not about that everybody knows everything it's not about that uh, there are some standards right there are minimum standards in education but uh, the trend the most current trend is about how to evaluate the progress of this child in particular and how to evaluate this prog- progress according to his or hers um I don't know uh, how to say it. I think it's with with uh, different subjects, be it literature or mathematics or whatever. So this is a kind of uh, very important educational idea at the same time. And I do like this idea about this fountain, about the cups. So, so it could be really a small cup, but you will be full. Yeah, This is not about the the equality, real equality. I mean, equality, which we understand sometimes in a very simplified way, right? That this is everybody is equal and everybody has equal rights. And it means that everybody has equal, should have equal conditions. And so it, it also this idea that everybody has equal uh, potential because this is not true, simply not true. There's not everybody which has equal potential. So that's why... Um, and we should, uh, we should not judge... Uh, some people according to potential of others. And that's the, the key thing. So coming back to this, you know, Ukrainian versus Russian, of course, in Russian philosophy, you have this personalism of the early 20th century, primarily people yeah. like Berdyaev. But Berdyaev was rather close to, to this geography, to Ukrainian geography. He was a philosopher from Kiev, Russian philosopher from Kiev, uh, or Shestov, who was a Jewish philosopher from Kiev. Uh, so, of course, these influences are there, but uh, I do think that this plurality, this plural world, which is described to us by Skorda, is, uh, is, uh, is very, you know, congenial to, 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 to the way how Ukrainians think. So, this was our attempt to, uh, you know, to find you some ideas about our greatest philosopher, Grigori Skorda. We are celebrating the 300th birthday, 300th anniversary from his birthday uh, on the December 3rd, so these days. And uh, 
it is really important to locate him in in the broader European history, European intellectual history. Uh, when I'm making parallels between Abraham Maslow and Rehori Skovoroda, well, they are they have the parallels between them are caused by the fact that they have the same roots, and these roots are precisely this combination of the ancient Greek and ancient Roman philosopher and Christianity. And uh, it's important to to see that Ukrainian intellectual culture is really also inside this tradition. But at the same time, it's interesting to look at Skoroda as a person. He's not a university professor, he's not a person speaking uh, ex-cathedra, but he is a wandering philosopher. This was a podcast explaining Ukraine by ukraineworld.org Volodymyr Yermolenko and Tetyana Harkova. Don't forget to subscribe to us and to support us on patreon.com slash ukraineworld uh, ukraineworld patreon.com slash ukraineworld We are devoting the majority of your donations to help people affected by this war and to help Ukrainian defenders. Stay with us and stand with Ukraine.